Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the dividing of the land as we pick up in Joshua chapter 17, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Let's turn now to Joshua chapter 17. As we get into the 17th chapter, we find that the land has continued to be divided by Joshua. And the portion that was to be given to a half of the tribe of Manasseh. Now Manasseh took part of its inheritance on the other side of the Jordan River. A half of the tribe and the other half was to settle on the western bank in what is actually the west bank today in the land of Israel. A part of that did belong to Manasseh at the time of the dividing of the land. When we get down to verse 12, we read again of the failure of the children of Israel to completely drive out the enemy. Yet the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, but the Canaanites would dwell in the land. Yet it came to pass when the children of Israel were stronger that they put the Canaanites to tribute, but they did not utterly drive them out. This was a failure on the part of the children of Israel to enter into the complete victory and the complete conquering of the land. Now, we have pointed out to you in the past how that the whole experience of the children of Israel coming out of the bondage of Egypt, passing through the wilderness, coming into the promised land, is a spiritual allegory. And it is representative of we as Christians coming out of Egypt, the bondage in sin. The Red Sea is equivalent to our baptism coming into a new relationship with God. And how that God has promised unto us a life of victory over our flesh. Coming into the land of promise is actually representative of coming into the walk and the life of the Spirit that God wants each of you to experience and to know. And he desires that we take full victory over every area that the enemy has had a stronghold in our lives. And if we allow any of these strongholds of the enemy to remain, they are going to be a continual and constant problem to you in your spiritual growth and development. Now, many of these areas of our flesh Maybe it is a bad temper. Maybe it is anger. Maybe it is other types of uh, characteristics, pride or whatever, that you have to deal with in your life. Now, God wants to give you complete and full victory over these areas of your flesh. He has provided all that you need. But many times, even as the children of Israel failed to utterly drive out the enemies, But yet, in time to come, their failure to drive out the enemy utterly 
worked to their own disadvantage. So many times in our own lives where we fail to enter into the full victory, that that very area where we haven't really gone in and laid claim to our victory in Christ is the very area where we find ourselves attacked by Satan in the future and oftentimes uh, defeated in the future because we failed to fully take the promise that God has given to us and laid claim to the full victory that we can have as we walk in the Spirit. So the failure of complete victory uh, is one of the sad, tragic by little notes of, of Joshua all the way through. Uh, you see that they did not utterly drive out the inhabitants, uh, that they did not take fully the land, that they did not conquer all that God had given, and uh, it later on worked to their own harm. So let us not follow after the same example, but let us, in pressing into our walk in the Spirit, enter into the fullness. I was talking with a group of ministers yesterday from Germany that were visiting here, some 60 uh, Lutheran ministers from Germany. And I told them that I desire to be totally open to God for all that God has for my life. I don't want to close any doors to God by my presuppositions, by my theological background or training, I don't want to have any closed doors to God. I want to be totally open for whatever God might have in mind for me, for my life. Because, number one, I need every bit of help I can get. And thus, I don't want to fall short of anything that God may have for me. I want to be open to it. I want to always have a total openness when I approach God. God, whatever you have in mind, whatever, Lord, you have there to give to me, Lord, I desire it, I need it, I want it. I feel sorry for many people who have such a concept of God that they can't open themselves totally up to God but they put the limitations. Now, God, I really don't want this. Lord, I don't need that. And, and they'll put limitations on God uh, as though God is going to give to me something that is not going to really be a benefit or blessing to me. I don't want to put any kind of strings upon what God might want to do for my life, in my life, or through my life. I want to be totally open before God in all things. And so I want to gain every victory that God has for me. I want to possess all of the promises that God has given to me. I want to claim the whole land. Why should I come short of the fullness that God wants to work in my life? Why should I stop short when God is urging me to go on? Why should I allow or tolerate an area of my flesh 
that is still not committed to the Spirit and under the control of the Spirit. Why should I set up a peaceful coexistence with some weakness of my own flesh? I desire to know the full, complete victory of Jesus Christ in every area of my life. And I want to keep pressing on and laying claim until I have conquered through Christ all that has been promised to me. God laid out the borders, and I don't want to come short of anything that God has for me. But the children of Israel tragically did. They did not conquer all of the land. They left enemies and uh, and, and pockets of the enemies within the land. When they became stronger, rather than driving them out, they just taxed them and uh, made slaves of them. But there was a failure. Verse 14, the children of Joseph spake to Joshua, saying, Why hast thou given us but one lot and one portion to inherit, seeing that we are a great people, for as much as the Lord has blessed me hitherto? Now, Ephraim and Manasseh were two of the larger tribes, and they were the sons of Joseph. So that when it refers here to the tribe of Joseph, it is actually referring to the double tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh. And because they had so many, they said, why have you just given us one lot? We really are so big, we should have two lots. That is, in the casting of lots, they would they divided off the land, they, they made a map and divided off the map, and then they would cast lots to who gets this portion. And they said, we've got so many people, we really need two lots for the tribe of Joseph. And so Joshua agreed to it that there should be two lots given to them. And so they drew another lot so that Manasseh was dwelling next to Ephraim on the uh, west bank, And the other part of Manasseh, of course, was over on the east bank on the other side of the Jordan River. As we get into chapter 18, we find that the tabernacle was then set up at Shiloh. Now the tabernacle, the place of the worship of God, which was with them there in the wilderness, and wherever they would go, they would set up the tabernacle. It was the place where they would offer their sacrifices unto God. They were not allowed to offer sacrifices to God just any place. Only one place could they really make an offering unto God, a sacrifice, and that was at the tabernacle. And so now that they are in the land, the first place where the tabernacle was set up within the land was at Shiloh. So this is the place for the spiritual gathering together of the people. It would seem that the capital, if there were such a thing at that time, was probably in Shechem. But the spiritual center of the people was at Shiloh. That is where they set up the tabernacle and uh, thus the offering of the sacrifices, the institution of the offerings, the priesthood and so forth was made there at Shiloh. Now, at this point, there remained seven tribes 
that had not yet received their inheritance. Only three of the tribes by this point had actually received the territory that belonged to them. And so they chose three men from each of these tribes that they might go into this territory as a survey team and more or less mark out the territory, draw it out the boundaries, and usually the boundaries were by cities and rivers and valleys and mountains and so forth, so that they could draw out the boundaries of the territories that the tribes were to receive. And so in the 18th chapter, uh, it deals with the uh, drawing of the boundaries and then of the casting of the lots for the various tribes. And in verse 11, the lot of the tribe of Benjamin came up according to their families and the lot of the tribe of Judah and the children of Judah. And, and Benjamin was to dwell right there actually uh, around the area of Jerusalem and north of that, a narrow strip that went from Jordan uh, on up through Bethel. As you get into the 19th chapter, the second lot came forth and it was for the tribe of Simeon. And Simeon became the southernmost tribe in Israel. The area down around Kadesh Barnea and desert area, a, a vast desert area, Beersheba, and up almost to Hebron, but that whole southern part was the lot that Simeon received. Now, if you were of the tribe of Simeon, you may have thought that you got a bum deal because it's pretty much desert and wilderness area down there. But there is one nice advantage. It's sure nice in the wintertime. It's sort of like Palm Springs in the wintertime. And when we go over to Israel now, if we or have a day, say, planned to tour through Jerusalem. We wake up in the morning, and it's cold and raining. We'll head down to Beersheba, and we'll take the tour through Beersheba because it's always so nice and beautiful and warm down there in the wintertime. And so uh, we, we sort of, when we're over there, remain flexible according to the weather we tour. And uh, when the days are nice in Jerusalem, then we toward Jerusalem, if the weather gets bad there, we can, always know we can always know that we can go down to Beersheba and find great weather because you only get a little more than an inch of rain in that area down there. You know, we go to Masada and, and uh, Beersheba and it makes a neat uh, day of it. But it is pretty desolate, pretty barren. It was up until, of course, just recently in the redevelopment of the land. The uh, Jews have channeled now the Jordan River and up above or up at the area of the uh, Galilee and they have brought the Jordan River all the way down to this vast area and now the thing is like uh, San Joaquin Valley or Imperial Valley. It's really a tremendous farm area uh, down there because of the irrigation now that they have developed uh, through the water from the Sea of Galilee. The third lot in verse 
10, came up for the children of Zebulun, and they received the area of the Valley of Megiddo. Uh, and up in that area up there. So Zebulun uh, was in that vast valley that goes from Haifa on back towards uh, Mount Gilboa. The fourth lot came up, and it was to the tribe of Ishkar in verse 17, and they received the area south of the Sea of Galilee. The fifth lot came out for the children of Asher in verse 24, and they received that beautiful coastal area from Haifa on up to Sidon, so the area that includes Akko and, and that neat, beautiful area along the Mediterranean there, extremely beautiful area. In the 32nd verse, the sixth lot came out for Naphtali, and they received the area around the Sea of Galilee. And really, here's one area I wouldn't mind living at all. The Sea of Galilee is one of the most beautiful places. I love this. I can understand why Jesus spent most of his ministry at the Sea of Galilee. It, it would, it's almost equivalent to spending your ministry in Hawaii or something. It's just a neat, beautiful area. And even to the present time, it is not really highly developed. And uh, boy, if you had a, a house there on the Sea of Galilee with a ski boat, oh, could you ever have a fabulous setup. It's just so beautiful. And this was given to the tribe of Naphtali. So there was always, of course, the the farming on the hillsides around the Sea of Galilee, good water supply, and just a beautiful place indeed. And the weather is, is, is quite nice there. It does get warm in the summertime, but you are 600 feet below sea level. And so in that pocket, it, it stays pretty warm, but uh, it is tremendously fertile land and great agricultural area. The seventh lot came out for the tribe of Dan in verse 40, and Dan was given the area known as the Hula Valley, which is the upper Jordan before it gets to the Sea of Galilee, and it is that valley with the Golan on the right and the Lebanese mountains on the left, and they went clear on up to the Mount Hermon area. In fact, the city of Dan uh, is just, oh, three miles from the base of Mount Hermon. And you're in the foothills there. The city of Dan, again, was just a fabulously beautiful city because you have this beautiful river coming by. And uh, you, you've never seen anything in Hawaii that is any more beautiful uh, than the sights around Tell, what they call Tel Dan, or the ruins of the city of Dan over there. So the upper Jordan River area, the Hula Valley, was given unto Dan. Now, verse 49, when they had made an end of dividing the land for the inheritance, 
by their coast. The children of Israel gave an inheritance unto Joshua. And according to the word of the Lord, they gave him the city which he asked, even Timnath Sarah, in Mount Ephraim. And he built the city and dwelt there. And these are the inheritances which Eliezer the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel divided for an inheritance. So uh, they divided out the land and they finally gave a city to Joshua inasmuch as he was the leader in the area of Mount Ephraim, uh, which means that it was in the area in the center part of the land uh, where the ancient city of Samaria or Shechem it's in that general area was known as Mount Ephraim, an area that is, is beautiful with the, the many, many fruit trees, the terraced hillsides and the fertile valleys. It's right in the heart of the land and a beautiful place indeed. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Joshua on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Joshua 17 through 19 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you. Watch over and keep you in His love. May the Spirit of God just take the Word of God and continue to refresh our minds and our hearts in God's truth. God bless you. God keep you. And may He use you this week to spread abroad through all the land that work of Jesus Christ that He has wrought in your life. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Come along on an exciting adventure as Pastor Chuck reads the story of the Ten Commandments to children. God wants us to keep the Ten Commandments, but we just can't do it. So Jesus came and did it for us. Featuring Pastor Ken Graves as the voice of God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. Honor your father and your mother. And Pastor Poncha Juarez as the voice of Moses. Do not be afraid. 
Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will accomplish for you today. And so many others. No, I will not let God's people go. Oh, no. Here comes the water. Go back to Egypt. Tell Pharaoh to release my people. To order the story of the Ten Commandments book by Pastor Chuck, which comes with the audio CD as a gift, call the word for today at 800-272-WORD. Or to see a sneak preview of the book, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.